What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Loud Life podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life podcast. Um, this is an episode that is being recorded today and it's supposed to be posted today because I'm a little behind. We were in a wedding in Virginia and I don't go to the East Coast that much. Dang, it was cold. Like the days it was cold there, it was cold, man. It's something else. Just having that, uh, you know, in Colorado, it's dry. Having that dry coldness is just so much different than like the East Coast. So that was that was a different thing for us. But today, today what I wanted to talk about was is is walking you through now the majority of you who are listening to, to this are not coaches or clinicians. Uh we try to make this for the everyday person, for the parents, for the movers, you know, just anyone who's looking to expand their life, to live louder, to live healthier, to live better, to have more mobility, more strength, whatever that might be, right? Um uh, but I wanted to walk you through kind of that clinical audit process that we do in our sessions and that we try to help people become aware of so that when the next injury happens, uh, they can have a little bit of reassurance, you know, at times, depending on obviously what the injury is, um, and, and just kind of uh, give them a little bit more uh, power to understand their body and their aches and pains, essentially, right? So what we're going to walk through is, is is a shoulder case. And uh, what I primarily see for my side of the practice is low back pain and shoulders. Um, neck neck is up there as well, but low back and shoulders are, are two of the main things that I see uh, primarily. Now, when going through this, we've obviously been taught within our schooling system and uh, other programs and things that we've taken outside of school, different methods, different systems to go about diagnosing and figuring out what the cause is. Now, as the years have gone, I have not moved away, I should say, from like specific diagnoses, but you, you learn to play this, you learn to play this game of understanding of what does the, what is, does it change the outcome in knowing it? Because sometimes when you talk about a diagnosis, depending on the person, the history, you know, a bunch of stuff, it can actually be more detrimental to the course of their care and to their recovery when putting a specific label on something. And for other people, it can be extremely helpful. And sometimes the only thing that helps them turn the corner and get better. But we're not diving into diagnosing specific shoulder injuries. We're just going to talk a little bit more about the, the, the questioning or the audit process that I ask and that I get people uh, that I encourage people to kind of think about as we go through the questionnaire and also themselves when aches and pains come up. Because sometimes, and while we want people to come in and see us and we can give them reassurance and work on those things, it's super, it's super powerful and valuable if you do something to your body or aches and pains come up, which they will, to be able to kind of start dealing with it right off the bat, right? So this is the shoulder case. So uh, individual who's already been seeing us has been seeing us for prenatal care previously and has brought up shoulder issues during 
prenatal care, but it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things during this particular individual's prenatal care. It wasn't at the top of the list because she wasn't doing the thing that creates the most amount of shoulder pain, which was beach volleyball because she was pregnant. Uh, but now she is postpartum about 12 weeks, um, which there's, uh, there could be another whole episode about her wanting to return to something as dynamic as beach volleyball sooner than we would have encouraged and liked. Uh, which may play into the shoulder pain, but she's been having this shoulder pain on her shoulder pain on her right side for years now. And for a lot of people, when we're talking about overhead athletes, so if you think swimming, volleyball, um, pitching or throwing, um, and even like CrossFit or, you know, anything like that where we're lifting weight overhead or doing pull-ups and things like that, they will very commonly trace a pain pattern. If you have a short sleeve or a shirt on, you can kind of see the seam of your shirt that goes from like kind of the top of the shoulder and then down to the front side. It's a very common presentation for this kind of top or anterior front of the shoulder pain. So, you know, right off the bat, obviously, where's the pain, right? And then we talk about the intensity, so on and so forth. So what was interesting about this case is it only hurt doing very specific things and those specific things were randomly when she would be hitting the volleyball. So right off the bat, that's already a good sign. So when you're, when you're looking at when you're looking at a painful joint or a painful area, if it is more random when you feel the pain, that's actually a good sign, right? For some people that uh, they feel that that's, that's actually worse. Like, why would it be random? What there's must be something really serious going on if it's just random. No, that just tells us that it's, you know, we probably have a very small focal area of sensitive tissue and that sensitive tissue just not, just does not get irritated unless you do these specific things. Now, when they say random, they mean very commonly is like, well, uh, let's say for instance, we'll use a different example. We'll just say with the same example. I apologize. Hitting the volleyball, right? I probably hit the volleyball about a hundred times and you know, it, I didn't feel anything. Why all of a sudden did it, did I feel it now? Uh, which, you know, with the total rep scheme of that, there's, there's something else involved with that potentially as well. Um, or, you know, every 20 ish hits or so I'll feel it, but then I don't feel it and then it feels fine, but it's a little sensitive. So all of those to me are good indications of that. It's not consistent by doing the same movement over and over. It's not consistently irritating or hitting the same tissue that's pissed off or upset, whatever you want to call it, right? So that to me is actually a good sign because if it was so sensitized, if the tissue, the structures, or everything that was in pain hurt every single time, we would be dealing with something a little bit more serious that would require a lot more attention, that would also require us to pull back and restrain from doing that activity because it is so sensitive. This is the same conversation we have for those that have extreme flexion and tolerant lower back pain, whether that would be from a, a disc injury, an angular tear, a herniation, a bulge or whatever you want to call it. Um, but for some people, they don't have those things. They don't have an annular tear, disc bulge, or disc herniation, but the disc might have been irritated enough that it does not like the flexion or other structures. And we just might need to pause or teach a hinging pattern or refrain from flexing for a while to reduce that sensitivity. Okay. So we're talking about the, <clears throat> excuse me, the quote unquote, the randomness of that pain happening 
good sign. So when you're when you're evaluating, you know, if you're running and uh, you have a foot, something in your foot that's hurting, but you only feel it every now and then. All right, well, you're still running and you're still hitting your feet every single time, and it's not hurting every single time. The prognosis for that of you getting better on the quicker side is actually really good. So that's a good sign. Now, if it is something that hurts every single time, we would need to look at what that movement is and offer some modifications and see if there's something that's creating more force load into a specific area, thus that is causing it to hurt more, okay? So coming back to our example though, so random, doesn't hurt all the time. The only time when she will get this kind of, it's not a zinger like a nerve zinger, but this pinpoint sharp pain is when she is hitting overhead, think spiking or serving the ball or something like that. So the arm is coming up overhead for swimming. It would be, you know, that kind of freestyle stroke that you think about throwing, throwing the ball overhead, so on and so forth. Your arm goes through this arcing motion. And as we know, right, that, that humeral head or that, uh, the upper arm is going to be getting closer and closer to the glenoid or the scapular side and structures tend to be squished a little bit. <coughs> so, so depending on how squished they get, how many times so on and so forth, that can create a lot of irritation within the tendons around the shoulder. So what tendons are we talking about when we're talking about the front side? Very commonly, it's the supraspinatus, the, um, the, uh, the subscapularis, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat, and then your bicep tendon. Those are a lot of those structures on the front side that can become irritated based on the positioning, how, how your technique and your throwing in or your hitting is, and uh, in the position within the arc, right? So, we do some we do some uh, some mock hitting within within our office. We're looking at it going overhead. Obviously, it didn't create a lot of pain. We do some some wall dribbling with the ball overhead just to get that arm in an upward position and kind of stressing that. Obviously, feels okay. Put her into some plank downward dog positions or pike positions where we're loading the arm overhead. Felt okay. So we weren't able to really replicate it all that way through a functional range position here. And that's something that, again, you can do at home is like really start to test the movement pattern. So I talk about all the time with neck pain is this moving mapping and understanding where are all the corners that the joints or the or, or the area that is that is hurting actually hurts. So that helps you kind of map out, okay, well, if it's something that I can bypass or go around, great, that allows it to reduce the sensitivity and allows you to still move, so on and so forth, and that's huge. Um, and it allows you to understand your borders so that when we're looking at the rehab and the recovery process, are those things, are, or is that range of motion or is that is that focal area getting smaller? So definitely important. So the evaluation that we did was not anything different than you guys can do at home. It's just moving the joint around and understanding where are the areas of concern. So that can be vital and very important for you to understand with your movements, especially when you're talking about, you know, maybe uh, a hit class or a crossfit class or something like that. Hey, when I go into this angle, it doesn't like it. Okay, well, how can we do a very similar thing that's not in this angle so we don't piss it off and you can still work out and you can still be involved, so on and so forth, right? That's that's huge. That's huge. So 
We weren't able to replicate it. So now, as we're going through this, okay, well, it's random. We're not feeling it all the time. But we do know now the arc and the position in which we feel it most, which is going to give at least me from a clinical side understand the anatomy a little bit more of an idea of what's actually happening, where it is, which is big. Uh, but for you guys, more importantly... <coughs> You're trying to understand, hey, this is the area that I need to kind of like focal down and possibly avoid. So that's important. Now, when we're looking at it as well, we're, we're asking about when did it start? How long did it start? Did it, did it, was it a singular movement in which you felt something? And then it created issues ever since then? Or was it something that kind of gradually came on? This is all good indications of what was the underlying quote-unquote mechanism. Because this particular individual has been told a number of different things, whether it's her postures created the issue, it's she's postpartum now that her core weakness, um, maybe her core is just not up to par and that's why she's having shoulder issues, which again, all of which can be influencing it 100% and we can break that down. Um, but as well as this has been going on chronically. So it's not something now that was the issue. It's something that happened before. So before when she was doing it, what, what, what we kind of gathered and believed to be part of the culprit was possibly some hitting mechanics from, from her volleyball coaches and other people she's worked with. I'm not a volleyball coach. We, I, you know, I wasn't assessing her volleyball serve per se, um, uh, so possibly that, but she was also playing beach volleyball five times a week on top of doing a hit class three to five times a week. And when she was playing volleyball, it was playing volleyball. It wasn't just recreational, just kind of having fun. She was playing hard tournaments, leagues, games, so on and so forth. So when we look at this, we're actually seeing a very high peak in volume, which if mechanics are slightly off, is posture slightly off, meaning we're more kyphotic, which is going to change the position of the scapula, which is going to increase the implication or uh, impingement of the shoulder could be over fatigue so she's not gaining the amount of strength output that she would like to do so on and so forth we're seeing all these factors that could have led to the shoulder thus then taking on more lowered load force on and so forth thus then creating the initial impact the initial bruise the initial insult to the tissue which now has basically just been periodically scratched and irritated over the last four to five years because we've never actually addressed with what caused it and given it enough time to kind of rest and recover because when she was not playing during pregnancy doing better right but now postpartum although only playing one time a week we never addressed a lot of those things and just the overall fitness level so on and so forth was not up to par from where we were, thus making it a little bit more challenging as well. And what's also interesting is we find when when we when our body starts becoming challenging, uh, and it in part of this is just a pain mechanism and pathway is old injuries tend to creep up, not because there's an injury there, but it's it's the easiest thing to get your attention. And when that signal starts going off, that's a way for your body to try to slow down. So trying to tell you something that maybe we need to focus on some other things in addition to the shoulder, so on and so forth. So the other important piece of the puzzle, as we had mentioned, <coughs> the time frame. This has been going on for four to five years. So for many of you who come into our office, reach out on social media, so on and so forth. Hey, I've been having this chronic thing. And chronic has, you know, different definitions and kind of different for the eye of the beholder. But I've been having this chronic thing for years I think I need to go get an MRI x-ray or something like that. Hey, totally fine. If you want to do that to clear the air, totally fine. They're going to find, they usually find something to, 
you know, depending on your age. Um, and, and we'll, I'll share a little caveat about that as well in a minute here. That doesn't mean it's the cause, right? If she's been having the shoulder thing for four to five years, the likelihood of her having something serious with her shoulder is really low. We can see in older populations, you know, um, I, I don't like using the word degeneration, but tendons, they do, if, if, insulted and irritated enough can uh, can fray and get kind of torn or irritated. So in an older population, if you're seeing like, hey, this started years ago and it's just progressively getting worse, yeah, that's something that we want to look at and, and definitely dive into a little bit more. But in this individual's case, you know, it's been about the same for four to five years. It gets pissed off, it hurts while I play, and then it kind of calms down and they complain, and then it's fine, and then sometimes it doesn't. Like, hey, I can rule out fair, fair, fairly definitively that there's most likely not something physically structurally wrong that we need an MRI or something for to diagnose and say you have this, right? What that does tell us though is there's definitely some movement mechanics, some loading principles, some different things like that that we need to look at and address because it's this recurrent thing that's going on and on. So after gathering all that information, we did do some orthopedic tests and going through some some of the more traditional shoulder impingement orthopedic tests. Um, basically, you know, which <clears throat> different thoughts and points on that, but basically going and bringing her up into abduction or flexion and internal rotation is what's irritating and replicating her pain the most. So as you're going through a volleyball serve, as that arm comes up overhead and you hit, that arm is actually going to go through a little bit of internal rotation. And you'll actually see it when you see volleyball players that follow through, that arm kind of comes down and in. And so that's what's picking and recreating that. Now, why is that the issue? Is it a, is, is it a uh, hyperkyphotic spine? Definitely tight, software engineer, needs to be improved 100%. New, uh, new postpartum mom, tight mid-back, doing a lot of breastfeeding, definitely needs to be worked on a little bit more. Scapular, scapular mobility is actually really good, but it's actually thrown off a little bit. It kind of jumps back and forth, and you see a lot of ratcheting movement as she's going through just basic range of motion exercises. So we need to smooth and clean that up a little bit. And the other component, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're also looking at is just a tight, I, I should, I'm going to change the words, tight muscles that are not tight enough where they're reducing range of motion, but tight muscles that are enough that are kind of throwing off the patterning or sequencing that we would want to see for that. So that actually is shutting down her, her scapular abduction or her scapular uh, movement during that overhead movement, which is actually causing that pinching pain on her. And a lot of this, again, is from her work. So there is some posture in there, like we tie back in there. Uh a little bit of deconditioning because she's postpartum, not feeling a lot of strength within her torso, her core, and her just back and her upper, upper body in general. So that's something to be concerned of. But I don't think it's as much of a technique issue as she as as previously thought. And here's the other thing too to consider: perhaps because of all the pain and the tightness that we're seeing, that's what's throwing off the technique issues. So you're trying to fix technique issues when you actually need to fix maybe a body issue, and otherwise you might be running into a uh, 
a, a big roadblock or, or or a brick wall. So that's something we had a, we had a discussion about because she's looking at game private coaching and all this other stuff to fix these things. Then I'm like, hey, I think that'll be good at some point because we want to relearn some of the mechanics after being off for a while. But let's give a good solid effort towards uh, reviving the mobility. And more importantly, the strength through the full range of motion and mobility for the shoulder, which is extremely important, and see where we're at from there. And I'm fairly confident that at that after a few weeks, we're going to be seeing good improvement, especially because she's not playing a lot right now. If she was in a full season right now and playing a lot, like playing five days a week, that would definitely make it a little bit uh, harder for sure because there's so many repetitions going on. Uh, but that's kind of the that's kind of the plan and kind of the thought process as we're going through this is we're looking at it. And you know, notice I did say multiple times how much she was playing and what she's doing, right? If she was playing five times a week versus one time a week. So in in your audit process of going through pain and injuries and different things like that, you have to look at how many days a week are you working out? What are you doing? What are the different things? How are your rest days? So on and so forth. How are your active recovery days? Because that could be also a component as we talked about the total load accumulation of, of certain areas and tissues that might be part of what's not allowing the tissue sensitivity to calm down as well. So it's multifactorial, right? Without going, you know, a lot of times uh, we oh, we see this so often. It's just, and she even said it, right? She saw a chiropractor in the past, said it was her posture and partially right, scapular dyskinesis, which is a fancy word for scapula is not moving well. Uh, but it was, we, you need to be adjusted and you need, you need acupuncture and that's going to fix it. And, you know, did, a, you know, a decent amount of sessions and, while it felt good in the time frame, there wasn't the application of tying it back into the activity and she would go back and serve and, and be right back to the same place. And this is no different for lower back pain, not addressing, um, you know, the movement mechanics of things, so on and so forth. So you have to, you have to look at all those different elements and pieces to really kind of come up and formulate a good plan. Now, if you've been through a number of injuries before, you probably can manage you know, the majority of these things are a lot of these things on your own. But for most people, that's just, just like too many things, too many elements. That's where someone like us can come in and help. And sometimes we see people who are just that bird's eye view. Hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? And then we, you know, we, we gather the data, we gather the information. Boom, this is what I think is going on. Why don't we do this? Sometimes that involves soft tissue work. Sometimes that involves adjustments. Sometimes that involves rehab. Sometimes it literally just involves us pointing them in the right direction. And then they take the reins and they go and do the things that they know they, know they need to do. And boom, it just runs its course and then you're good. Okay. Now, the one thing I did want to mention about... <clears throat> Coming back to it is the the imaging, which we're actually going to do now. Now that I think about it, we'll just do another whole episode about imaging, the pros and cons of imaging. But in this particular case, she went to a very well established big clinic out here, right, part of a university, and went in for shoulder, shoulder the same shoulder thing, the same thing that's replicated by shoulder movement, the hitting, and one thing that I do agree with them is that you want to, you know, for shoulder issues and things like that, clear, clear, clear the spine, look at the neck, see if there's anything kind of wonky going on there. We obviously do the same thing with the hip and the legs. We look at the low back, right? Now, 
the conversation needs to be had though is just like, okay, we're going to look at it, but does it mean something? She did not have any hard neurological signs. She did not have any numbness, tinging, any pain, any burning, no muscle weakness, nothing in the upper extremity that would indicate a, a, a you know, something of major concern in the neck, but they did x-rays and then the x-ray shows something kind of off. And then they looked at an MRI and an MRI showed the disc bulge and through insurance, they couldn't treat two things. So the higher priority was the disc bulge, even though the disc, there was no neck pain, the disc was not doing anything. It was not creating any symptoms or any problems anywhere. It was not, they weren't doing anything that could replicate the anterior shoulder pain with the neck, which would not tie those two things together and went through, you know, weeks of care for the neck and, and nothing changed. A, because the neck was fine and a, B, the neck didn't tie to the shoulder. So then the shoulder was still hurting. So we have to consider when you're looking for imaging, there needs to be an indication for imaging. Right. And we'll talk, we'll have another whole episode about the indications of imaging and when imaging is good, when imaging, you know, might be kind of a middle ground, helpful, but not something that's necessarily needed. And then when imaging could actually be a problem. So, summing up and wrapping up, pain will happen, aches and pains. I was running too much and I gave myself some tendonitis because I was running on ice and I was running with my daughter who's just learning how to ride a bike and I'm all tipped over and doing some stuff. I knew the mechanism. I knew what happened. I knew as an increased load, I was running too much. I was doing this and I was trying to modify my mechanics. I was trying to do some therapies. I was trying to do, you know, whatever it is to calm down and it just needed some time. And then I can rebuild from there. I can't just assume, oh, it doesn't hurt. I need to go back to it. Just like this individual, if you stop doing the thing that hurts, you can't just go from zero back to it, expecting it to be different. We're addressing the whole, we're addressing the whole thing. We know early on, it was too much, but we're already here. The tissue is irritated. We know which parts of the shoulder are irritated and the specific mechanisms of why or uh, of where it's getting irritated and why in our mind it is getting irritated because we're getting that pinching of those soft tissue structures uh, and having some mild impingement. And so we're going to work on that. We're going to open up the shoulder. We're going to work on her dynamic range of motion. We're going to work on her dynamic strength through that full overhead range of motion and then test, have her play, see how it feels, get it, you know, get some information and then make that course correction on where to go from there. So that's in a nutshell, that kind of clinical auto process as we go through that. It's a lot of tests, retests. A lot of times we think it's just black or white, do this, do that. Well, but while very much might be at times just like, oh, it looks like it's this. Well, boom, boom, boom. And then you're good for, for many, for many people. It's, you know, you got to kind of keep ebbing and flowing as different things come up through that course of care. So know that injuries will happen. Know that pain will happen. You can't run away from that. And what I want you to think about is really just taking a moment, running through that kind of audit process of thinking about the different things that might have led and contribute. When we ask that question, more times than not, someone's like, yeah, I think it was this. And then as we dive in more, if they didn't know, <coughs> I don't know, it's been going on for years. And then you kind of just keep asking them, what have you been doing? Blah, 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 blah. And then that light goes off. It's like, ah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, cool. Now that we know, it helps us reframe that recovery process so we don't repeat history and keep that process going and, uh, you know, make someone go down a road that they don't want to go down to, which leads to further intervention based on things potentially getting worse. So, 
the pain audit process. I hope this was helpful for you guys. Again, it was a little bit, I know it can get a little bit confusing. I don't expect you to be a clinician. I just wanted to prime you with some questions for you to think about and ask yourself pain intensity. Where does it hurt? What, what movements make it hurt? How long has it been going on? Is there anything that contributes to it uh, outside of the movement? Maybe I'm not doing enough recovery um, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, obviously if you guys have questions, love to help you out. We do virtual consults. Again, sometimes that bird's eye view of just having someone ask the questions for you, get the, get the wheels turning, get your mind thinking about it can help. And then we can just kind of put that overview lens on you give you some ideas where you can go there and just help man, help, help, uh, through accountability and managing the process from that, uh, external bird's eye view could be also helpful too. So you can bounce back questions as things come up. Um, and you know, we'd love to help you if that's something that you find would be beneficial for you in your road to recovery for whatever you're dealing with right now. So thanks for tuning in guys. This is the live Loud life podcast. If you got someone who's struggling with this kind of chronic recurring injury, or they're not getting those questions asked, or you feel like they're just kind of bouncing back and forth with this and they're worried about it, you know, share this with them. This, this could be that one thing that kind of gets them to, to go seek more, uh, to go seek asking different questions and getting better answers. So thanks for tuning in guys. We'll see you next time. Yeah.